The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. Jeremiah, from the time he was born, we find that he is ordained by God to be a prophet. Now, being what he ordained to do, uh, he didn't, wasn't born or even ordained around a time where uh, it was a very good time, as we know, as throughout Scripture, uh, especially in the Old Testament. Uh, the, uh, God's chosen people, Israel, was really uh, a very roller coaster kind of people. And uh, they loved God, they served God, they hated Him, they worshiped false idols, just kind of a roller coaster. And the time of his uh, ministry it was Josiah. And those of you that know Josiah was one of the youngest uh, rulers in the Bible, eight years old. And uh, I don't know how many of you would have a nation uh, be led by an eight year old. It'd probably be. Uh, maybe a little better for our country. We try an eight-year-old. Just kidding. I wouldn't uh, you know, criticize on that. But, uh, but Josiah was actually one of the righteous uh, kings of that time. And uh, Jeremiah at that time began to preach. And it wasn't like he was a preacher that sugarcoated everything. Uh, Jeremiah was a person who uh, really was bold. And he went out and he preached. Uh, if you look at, again with me in verse, uh, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 1. If you look in verse 7, it says, uh, But the Lord said unto me, Say not, I am a child. And this is when he was first being ordained. It says, For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I, see how I have this day set thee over the nations, and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Jeremiah had a call, and his call uh, was one just pretty much the rest of his life. He was going to be preaching against and warning people, uh, God's chosen people. And uh, throughout all of it, you know that he's very bold. And you can go through Jeremiah 1 all the way, uh, chapter in, chapter in, chapter after chapter, and he's preaching away, and he's just doing what God's told him to do. And uh, Jeremiah is uh, very bold, and many people didn't like him. It'd kind of be like if I went out to the White House steps and I started preaching against everything that's wrong with America, and America's going to go down the tube, it's going to go to... And I just started preaching away and started saying all this stuff. First of all, I have a lot of enemies. I definitely would make the 12 o'clock news. Uh, I definitely would be in the newspaper, on Facebook, and everywhere else. I have a lot of enemies. Some people would, you know, probably stick up for me. But for the majority, I, you know, if you imagine that. Imagine if someone just day in and day out for years and years and years of his ministry just preaching what God just told them to do and, just, and tell them that they need to turn from their wicked ways and, and uh, to turn to God. You know what? I mean, that's, that's a lot of, that takes a lot of boldness to do. And as bold as he was, bold as a lion, yet we also know Jeremiah is another kind of person. We call him the weeping prophet. It's what Lamentations comes in. Uh, You see, Jeremiah had a passion for his people. Although God called him to uh, to call the children of Israel back to God and to uh, win his people back to him and to preach to them and tell them uh, they need to get right and they need to get straight, even after all that, in his own private life, his time with God, he would weep. Uh, There's five chapters of Lamentations, and really it's, we understand that Jeremiah is on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that God is speaking through him. So really, it's God aching for his people, how God feels about it, how he loves his children, how he cares for them. That uh, In Jeremiah, another chapter, he says, my thoughts of you aren't evil. I'm paraphrasing, but my thoughts of you aren't evil, but they're of peace. And uh, he loves his children. But through the heart of Jeremiah, he gives us lamentation. So you see a very bold side of Jeremiah. 
someone that preaches and just tells the truth and tells it like it is, but then you see in his private that passion and compassion that he has for God's people just starts to come out. I don't know if any of you have lost loved ones, but if that's the way I can compare it, someone you know that they need to be saved. Um, I got uh, people, people in my family. I know I have an uncle who I love, and I know he loves me. He's one of the nicest men you'll ever meet, but has uh, just he's his own man, if, that, if I can say it that way. He doesn't believe that there's a higher being that could uh, sustain him or help him. Uh, he just doesn't believe in a greater God, and, and, uh, and he's very respectful, and he is one, it's funny because there's people I have in my family that are saved but don't support what I do now, uh, but then I have people that, he, him being an atheist, and he supports everything I do. I love him to death, but I ache for him. I want him to get saved. My dad's been praying uh, you know, for, for years and years for my, for my uncle to get saved. Um, I have family members, cousins, who actually were in church and now are out of church. And if you see what I mean, Jeremiah is aching for his own people. He's aching for them. He's, yes, doing what God called him to do, but he's also just, uh, just so burdened by the call and burdened by that. And so we see Jeremiah, and we look at verse, uh, chapter 32, uh, the chapter before we talk about, uh, and Jeremiah is thrown into prison. Prior to him be throwing in the prison at this time, he's... <laughs> he's uh, uh, his uncle, God told him, he said, listen, you're going to have a relative come over to you, and I need you to buy this land. And when you buy this land, I mean, really, Jeremiah is never going to see the land that he purchased. And Jeremiah always just did whatever the Lord wanted him to do. And so he purchases his land. Uh, he, gets, he upsets a king pretty bad. And uh, the king uh, gets, has him beaten and thrown him into prison. And I'll tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm do- he's doing the right thing. He's doing what God's called him to do. Um, and not only is it God's calling, it's, it's his passion. Uh, he wants to please the Lord, but he also loves his people and uh, wants to see them come to the Lord and turn from their wicked ways. And so he's doing all these right things, but it seems like everything's going wrong. And uh, he gets thrown into a prison. And uh, Jeremiah 32 talks a lot about some things, but I can imagine Jeremiah and his shoes. I can, I can imagine how uh, discouraged he was. Uh, I've been in places in my life where I'm like, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I mean, I'm in church, I'm reading, I'm doing everything I can possibly do, Lord, but yet it seems like things are just going nowhere. And uh, he's in this prison, and it's dark, but I'm glad that the word of God is not bound, that even though in a prison, the Bible says the word of the Lord came unto him in Jeremiah 32, and then in, verse, in chapter 33, he comes to him again. And I think after all these years, him just, God just telling him what to say, and they're all bad things. That this is going to happen, this is going to happen. He's just very discouraged of all these things. But then God comes to him these two times and tells him of a restoration plan. How I'm going to win my people back. And how I will be their God and they will be my people. And in Jeremiah 33, we look at verse 1. He says, More of the word that came to the Lord unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. The rest of the chapter, God is literally telling Jeremiah good news. For all these years, it's been bad news. It's been if they don't do this, if they don't do that. And God's not saying it as a dictator or saying it as someone that hated his people, but someone that loved him, that surely wanted his people to come back. God is telling him to say these things. But now, finally, I wonder if Jeremiah is sitting there, and he's writing this. And he's like, finally. I wonder, if he would, I wonder if he would weep again. 
and just think, thank you, Lord. God, there's going to be a restoration plan. I don't know if I'm going to see it in my day. I wonder if Jeremiah thought that. Would I ever see it in my day? Would I ever, whether I do or not, I know that God says his word is true and that this is going to come to fruition. This is going to happen. This too shall pass. I don't know where you're at in your life, but God gives Jeremiah this call. And he tells him a few things, and he uh, tells him, and we'll look at those points today, and I, and I won't be long this morning, but I want to just ask you this. If there's a time in your life, or maybe even right now, I know we're in a church, we're more of a family setting tonight, but you know, I, if I ever expressed on outwardly how I felt on the inside, you would all not want to be around me. <laughs> you would not want to be, and maybe you could say that about yourself, how stuff we worry about, the stuff that we're wondering if they're going to happen, if they're not going to happen. Uh, you know, you, you wonder about things, and maybe it's a dark spot, and, and you're coming to church, and you're being faithful, and God will bless you for that, but maybe there's some in people in here, you feel like Jeremiah, and you feel like, just like that picture, just something in the dark, and you feel like maybe, I don't know how in the world I'm going to get out of this, I, I just see, don't see a light out of the end of my dark tunnel, but I can tell you what, the Jer- God was giving Jeremiah hope in this time of need, and he was giving Jeremiah that exact same hope. In other words, you see the slogan, or the title of the message. I did do it for, because a lot of you are probably thinking of Bill Murray and, and uh, Ghostbusters right now, who you're going to call, and all the bad English that's up there. I really hesitated putting that up there. I'm not really great at naming titles of sermons, but, but really that's my question. Who are you going to call in that time where Jeremiah, you notice that God is talking to Jeremiah in here, and he's saying, call unto me. He was talking to Jeremiah. Before I get ahead of myself, I just want to give you three things that I see in this passage, and hopefully at the end of the message, you'll be like, I know who I'm going to call on. And obviously, all of us, we know who we're going to call, but sometimes we need that reminder. We need to realize on the person, the God of heaven, who we need to call. First of all, I see in this passage, in verse number one and two, I see the creator. I see the creator. The Bible says here, moreover the word, that came, the moreover the word uh, of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time, while he was yet shut up in the court um, of the prison, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, to establish it, the Lord is his name. I'm so glad today that I serve a God that's not dead. I'm so glad today that I serve a God that I know that I can call upon, I can lean upon. I mean, there's other religions. You go out there today and there's, there's bones. There's graves out there where those people, uh, those once supposedly gods were. But I'm so glad that there's no bones, that ours is risen, he's alive and he's well. I'm so thankful, Lord, that we have a creator and that he's the creator of all things. But also this creator can do all things. Uh, a while ago... Um, I say about last year, I was picking up people on the bus route, and uh, I remember, um, and I've seen him a couple times, and one kid came, one teenager came on, and then the other one came on, but he came on to ask me a question, and, uh, you know, and I, usually, it's a, it, the way he worded it was more like, I'm going to ask you a question, this is my opinion, <laughs> you know, it's not really they want to hear what you think, it's just they want to hear my opinion, but he said, and it's a question that I've heard so many times, it's very, um, it's not a very uh, intellectual, you know, question, uh, but he said, so uh, listen here. He's like, God can do all things, correct? And I said, yes, he can do all things. He's like, okay, so he's, what's that word? I'm like, omnipotent. I'm like, yes. He's like, I'm like, okay. And he said, so if God can do all things, can he make a rock so big? You know this question. Can he make a rock so big that he can't lift it? So if you say, obviously they got you. So if you say that, uh, no, God can't make a rock. Then you say, see, he can't do something. Or if you say uh, either or, it's a lose-lose when you answer the question. But I literally just, you know, I kind of laughed at first because, you know, I've heard it before. And it's, it's a very, uh, you know, kind of um, silly question to ask. Uh, and I was talking to my wife about this the other day, too. Uh, but I, I just said to him, I'm like, you know what? I said, 
There's a lot of things God can't do. What? There's a lot of things God can't do. God can't lie. Said God can't sin. God can't stop loving you. Said God, there's so many things. And that, you could fall that right into that category. You know what? God can, God, omnipotence, true omnipotence uh, is not, it's the ability to do anything one sets out to do. So in other words, God can do anything that he wants to do, if whatever he sets his mind to. God can do anything, and I, and I even just logically talked with him. I mean, what's the point of the rock anyway? Do you want a rock? You know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to talk with him, and I reason with them. I'm not trying to be mean, but just kind of just to answer questions. But isn't it great that God can do anything? Isn't it great that anything that he wants to do, he will set out, and he will do it? There's some things that God can't do that I wish I can't do, that I wish uh, that God can do that I wish I could do. Uh, I wish I could forget my sin. How about you? Uh, I wish I could look back and just push the delete button. How many times I want to push the delete button and just say, get rid of that. I don't want to think about it. And it's so great that God can do that. God can do all things. He can do everything. And Jeremiah 32, 17, uh, he says here, uh, I, the Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Uh, there was... Uh, a man who was uh, writing an article, and he was a Christian man. I believe he was even a pastor. And he was talking about one day going out. He was learning how to fly. He was getting his aviation's license. And he was going out, and he started uh, flying and, and uh, going out with this man. And uh, this guy was very, very skilled, has done it for years and years and years and years and years. And uh, he's going out, and he's flying this plane. They're pretty high up, about 3,000 feet in the air. And they're driving. He's flying this plane. All of a sudden, he's like, all right, he's like, when I'm about to, he's like, I want you to, you know, I've trained you for a little while. It's actually been a couple weeks, and um, uh, I want you to take, I want, I'm going to do something, and I want you to react to it. And the guy's just kind of like, okay. He took the plane, and he started plunging the plane down, and he starts smiling, and the guy, the instructor just went like this. And he's just, he's panicking. He's going crazy, like, what in the world is going on? You know, he's trying to figure out, you know, he's about to die. He's about to crash. And so finally, he just calmed down. He thought about his steps, the things he's learned. He did this, he did this, he did that. All of a sudden, got the plane and, you know, steady. Now, just like this guy, I would be pretty mad. <laughs> I'd be like, what are you doing? Well, you, you should have told me this. You know, we could have died. I mean, I'm, I'm married. I got kids. I mean, I, what if I died today? He's flipping out. He's uh, saying how stressed out he was to the guy. And then the man was just so calm. And he's like, listen, he's like, there is nothing, no position you could put this plane in that I can't get you out of. And the, preacher, and the preacher thought, he said, he's like, you know what, at that moment, God told me something. He's like, you know what, he's like, maybe God was trying to tell me, see, there's nothing that I can't, there's no predicament, no situation that you're in that I can't get you out of. Uh, there's no problem, no uh, thing that's too high for me, that's too hard for me. There's nothing too hard for me, God says, there's nothing at all. We, I'm glad we have a creator that can do all things. Uh, but also, there's nothing that the creator cannot make new. Go to Jeremiah 18. We're in Jeremiah a lot today. It's just a book I had on my heart all week. Jeremiah 18. Go there real quick. Jeremiah 18. And uh, this is probably one of my favorite passages other than chapter 1, but uh, 18 here. Uh, God's talking to Jeremiah. He's been done preaching and, and you know, telling the different kings and rulers what's going on and what's wrong. And then one day, God tells Jeremiah this. In verse 1 of chapter 18, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, from, I'm sorry, the word, of, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. And I wonder what Jeremiah is thinking. Go down to the potter's house. Why, Lord? Why am I going down to the potter's house? Who goes down there for sightseeing, you know? I'm going down to the potter's house. Okay, so he goes down there. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. 
And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as, as seemed good to the, pot, uh, to the potter to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I do uh, with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. There is not a life that is too broken. There's not a life that's too messed up. There's not a life that is too far from God that God cannot just pick up and make new again. If you think about the potter's wheel, it's an amazing just description. I feel like even in my own life, how uh, being saved and going back out into the world and then coming back to God, I'm just like, Lord, I'm kind of messed up. I don't know what you're going to do with me. I'm kind of broken here, but you can do whatever you want. And God just picks up like that lump of clay, just like the potter, throws it back on, starts it over again, and makes it new. I'm so glad that there is nothing that God cannot fix, that God cannot change, that God can change all things and fix it. Uh, for his power, for his glory. God not only is the maker, the one that formed it, but he's also the one that will establish it. If you look at verse uh, number one of Jeremiah 33, uh, he says right here, more of the word that came, the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time while he was yet shut up in the court of the prison, saying, but in verse two, look at this. He says, thus saith the Lord, the maker thereof, the Lord, that formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name. Not only does God form it, but he establishes. Aren't you glad that God doesn't start something and then not finish it? That God, everything that he starts, your life is not over. It will not be over until you say, well done, and our good, faithful servant. But God is uh, here, and he's going to establish you. If you think, like, well, I'm done. No, I don't think there's anybody in this room. Well, I'm done. I'm done everything God wants me to do. Listen, I haven't gotten started yet. And I'm glad that God's still working on me. I'm so glad that God, not only did he form it, but he's going to establish it. Establish means to finish, to complete it. He's going to establish it. So first of all, we see the creator. We see that God can do all things. We see that God uh, can change and make anything new. But then also we see the call, the call. In chapter 1 of Jeremiah, we see God calling Jeremiah to the ministry. We briefly touched on it in the beginning. Jeremiah is in the beginning of his ministry from the time he was born. Before he was even formed in his mother's womb, God ordained him and called him. And aren't you glad in Romans uh, that he says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. I'm so glad that God doesn't hand me a receipt in the middle of my calling and says, I'm sorry, that was not yours. Here you go. I messed up. There was, a mix. There was this Brian who was supposed to be a preacher. You were supposed to be a cook or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, you know, I'm so glad that the Bible says that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. God does not turn back on his decision. I'm so glad of that. But you see, in chapter 1, God's calling Jeremiah. But now in chapter 33 chapters later, God's telling Jeremiah to call on him. We see the first three words of verse 3. It says, call unto me. I don't know about you, but uh, in your time of predicament, in my, at least in times of trials in my life, and I'm not saying that I've gone through the gauntlet or I've gone through fires, and I know that uh, you know, those days may come, and I'm prepared for those days. Uh, I've had some trials in my life, not to say I've had a, I haven't had any, uh, but there's been times in my life where it was hard for me, and it was a hard time in my life. And you know what? I can tell you on a daily basis, and I regret and very embarrassed to say this, but there's many a morning I wake up, I get, I mean, usually because if I'm running late or if I woke up late, and I'm running, I'm already thinking what I got to do for today. I hop in the car, and before you know it, I mean, hours are going by, and I have not said one thing to God. And you're like, well, and, that, and we've all done that. And I'm being just transparent. I've done that. And even in days like today, there's days that I still do that. 
And I, I'm just like, oh, I'm so sorry, God, I'm sorry I didn't pray. But you know that actions speak louder than words, correct? So in other words, though my heart, I'm not saying to God I don't need him, but me doing that act of not praying, Pastor Justin talked about it, I know our pastors talked about it too, but when you don't pray and ask God to help you, even in the beginning of the day, you're literally saying, God, I don't need you today. I don't need you. How convicting that is. If, I mean, if I really, and that's not true. Well, well, Pastor Brian, that's not exactly what I think, but your actions tell otherwise. If I know, that, now obviously when things happen, someone's sick, someone needs help, uh, financial problems, all those things, we go immediately 911 and we call God, God, I need you, God, I need you. But man, when things are good, I still need God. When things are great, I still need God. Uh, I need him to live. I'm so glad that, it, uh, that I'm not confined to a hospital bed this morning, that I'm not fighting leukemia or I'm not fighting some illness or disease, that I'm able to preach and talk and, and sing and, and come and commute and drive, and I'm allowed to do things that normal people in life can't do. Um, but I'm so thankful uh, uh, for those things. But, but man, if I go a day without talking to the Lord and saying, God, I need you, then uh, we need to realize that we need God and that we need him. Many times in my life, again, that, that I've gone with those days, but uh, you see, there was a time uh, in my life uh, where I really needed God. And it was usually financial matters, amen? How many got financial matters? God, I need you, right? Uh, well, I remember one time I was uh, a freshman. I just came back from college, and I was kind of, you know, I was the hot freshman that knew everything. If you want to ask me any theological question, I had it. You know, I was about to break, I was about to change my old church. You know, I was about to flip it upside down. I mean, I just got a whole year of Bible college, you know what I mean? And uh, I came there, and and uh, I remember going to church and, and uh, getting involved, but I needed a job. And uh, we had some lump sums that we had to pay, a certain plan that I had to do, and I needed about $1,200 uh, by uh, August to get it. And so it's May, and I'm coming home, and I'm looking for a job. And, and I'm, I'm telling you what, I, I mean, I prayed about it. I did pray to the Lord, Lord, help me, but not as much as I should have. But I did go out every day, and I fill applications, whether it was, I mean, from McDonald's to Foreman Mills clothing store to, I mean, anything. And I was still in church, and I still did whatever uh, my pastor wanted me to do. Uh, before getting my CDL, I was driving a van. So I was driving a van. I was, you know, 19 years old, driving around a van, picking people up. And I was doing all those things, but I could not get a job for the life of me. I could not get anything. Philadelphia was really hard at that time. Uh, but I remember it was July, and uh, I, was, I was getting very frustrated. I had no idea if I was going back to college. And I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm kind of at a little argument with God. I'm like, you know, I'm trying to go back to college. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what you want me to do, but yet I seem, <laughs> I can't, uh, even just the financial part, I can't even just get there. And I mean, just can you, I'm just kind of, you know, God's big enough, by the way, to hear your problems. You can talk to him like a God. And so just tell him your needs. He's, he's big enough. He's not going to cry or say that you were mean to him. He wants you to, he wants you to pour out your heart, his heart your heart to him. And so I, I had a couple times like that with God, and, um, but then I remember it was the summit, which is actually happening this week, and, and uh, it was getting very late, and we had to go in August. I had like three weeks, and I literally had 42 cents in the bank. I still remember it, 42 cents in the bank. I was going to church. I was working for the church. I told my pastor, I said, as long as, until I get a job, I said, You're, I'm yours, and, and I would get a little small salary, 20 bucks, you know, here and there to paint the church and uh, fix some things and go pick this person up. And half the time I would use that for gas, you know, and uh, just those kind of things. But, you know, I was in the ministry. I loved it. I wanted to do it. And deep inside I was struggling because I didn't know if I was going back to college. But we were at the summit, and that was the last night. And uh, I had driven our church there. I was one of my other jobs. And I just took anybody who wanted to go to the summit, you know, if they didn't have a car, just drive here. Brian's going to take you there. And so we went there. And 
Um, I remember just uh, the very last message, and the person that preached didn't even touch, you know, trusting the Lord or anything like that. And, and, but, you know, God was just speaking in my heart, and I just remember after the service, I went down to the altar, and I just said, God, I'm, I'm not going to do this out of my own willpower anymore. If you want me to go to college, I'll go to college. But if not, Lord, you know what's in the bank account, and I have three weeks. So I just I said, God, it's yours. I need your help. It's all yours. I'm not going to worry about it anymore. This is all yours. I went and sat down to my seat, and then uh, they had something they started a year prior, but they were doing a scholarship fund. And this is right after I prayed, I kid you not. And uh, I remember sitting down, and I'm with my church, and I'm kind of looking, and uh, a man named Pat Higgins went up, and he was presenting the award because it was a Matt Guzzi scholarship. Matt Guzzi was one of his close friends, and so he's talking and everything else. He starts describing, and I'm... And, I'm usually good. I listen to church, in church and everything, but I was really daydreaming at the time, and I kind of was just thinking. I mean, I'm sitting there just kind of daydreaming, just kind of like think. I actually was daydreaming, thinking of who would get it, and and I'm just you know thinking there. I'm like, oh, this guy, man, he, he's in college. He needs it, you know, like that. And I'm I'm serious, you know. Believe me or not, I was saying that. I was not ever at one time ever thinking me because no one knew me like really that much, you know. I mean, who knows me other than maybe Brother Pat, you know? But no one else knows me, and all I heard was Odin, and I'm like. Odin? I'm like, what was, who's Odin? You know, like that. And my friend looks at me and hits me. He's like, go up there. What are you doing? I'm like, what? And everybody's waiting for me. And I see my name coming across the screen. I'm like, Brian Barodin? And I'm like, what? I, I literally, I didn't get up for about, you know, probably 60 seconds, which was a really long time after you called. You know, they're kind of waiting for me. Everybody's clapping. I'm like, what? And my pastor's like, go, what are you doing? I'm, and I'm literally going up there like, what is, you know, going on? I'm like, okay. And, and it was a $5,000 scholarship. And I remember sitting there just like, Man, and I, I, it was, I, I didn't believe it the whole time. And I remember sitting there, people congratulating me. I had some friends from college that were there. Dude, man, that's awesome, you know, 5,000. I mean, more, and by the way, it was more than I needed. And uh, I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, man, I bring everybody home. I remember going home crying like a baby, just like, God, I am so sorry that I've never asked you for your help. I'm so sorry, Lord, that I've ever doubted you. And God came through, and you see, God wants you to call on him. He knows your burdens, he knows your pains, he knows your sorrows, but he wants you to call. He said, Jeremiah, call unto me, call unto me. We see the call. You see, there's a story also of a textile uh, mill, and there's places where they have thread, you know, they make clothing and different things, and uh, there's a big uh, rule that they had there at that mill, and it says, if you get your thread in a tangle, call the foreman. That's what you do, it's a big rule. New lady started there, she worked there, and she's working there for a little while, but she got her thread in a tangle. Instead of following the first rule, she's like, I can get out of this meth. I'll just fix it. So she tries fixing the thread in the machine, and she's doing all that, and made it a thousand times worse and uh, could not get it fixed. Finally, she called the foreman, and uh, the foreman comes in, and, and he's, you know, all right, I'm fixing it. He's doing all that. And she's like, I'm so sorry. You know, I called, and yeah, I didn't mean to do this. He's like, but I really, I mean, I just did the best that I could, and I tried to fix it. And he looked at her, and he's like, the best you could do? And she's like, yeah. He's like, you didn't do the best you could do. He's like, what do you mean? I really was trying. I didn't want to bother you. I just really was trying. He's like, if you did the best you could do, you would have called the foreman the first time. You see, many times in our lives, you know, we try and do it in our own power. We don't call upon God. We don't ask him for his help. But yet, you know what he says? He says, call unto me. Call unto me. I'm the one that can be the burden bearer. Uh, I'm the one that can help you in your problem. I'm the creator. I'm the God. I'm, I formed it and I will establish it. And I can help you. Call upon me. So first we see the creator. We see the call, and then lastly, we see, which everybody just got, everybody just woke up. We heard lastly, right? Uh, Lastly, we see the covenant. Just for alliteration's sake, covenant is just a promise. 
It's a promise that God, and covenant to me is a stronger word for promise. God says a covenant. Look at the verse number three. He says, call unto me, and here's the covenant. He says, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I'm so glad that God not only just tells Jeremiah to call him, but he promises him something. He says, I will answer thee. Now, how many of you, you wish at the end of answer thee, he gave you a time, he gave you a date, <laughs> right? Don't you wish, just like, you, you know, you got plumbing problems, you call the plumber, I'll be there in three days, right? I'll be there to fix it, right? Don't you wish God said, call unto me and I'll answer thee within the next 24 hours, right? Man, you guys all have great faith in the world because you know what's going to happen. It's going to happen within the next 24 hours. Man, it's awesome, right? But see, God doesn't do that. God says, call unto me and I will answer thee and leaves it at that. He doesn't tell us when he's going to answer how he's going to answer, or, to, you know, or exactly uh, how he's going to do it. But God says, I will answer. That's one thing, if you can keep in the back of your mind, whatever you're going through, just realize, that, listen, God says, call unto me. He says, I will answer thee. It's not going to be in your timing, but it's definitely going to be in my timing. Uh, when we notice in this passage of Scripture that God says, call unto me, we see that he promises to answer, but does not give us the time. In, that, uh, in the time in which uh, to get the answer. There was a, a preacher uh, that was preaching, and um, there was a big conference coming. I'm not sure what year it was, but uh, I believe probably maybe in the uh, 19, early 1900s. And uh, this man, there was a conference. He was, uh, he was preaching a message, and everybody knew about it in town. And a couple guys brought some friends, and one guy brought his agnostic friend. And his agnostic friend was uh, really sitting there and um, just kind of like, I'm not going to go to that. Are you kidding me? There's no God. And he's making fun of it. He's doing all the situations. But then all of a sudden, uh, he's like, just, just come on. Just, just come. And so he's like, all right. He comes, and the man's preaching on trust in the Lord. Do this the first hour. He's trusting this. And the guy's just kind of heckler, mocking the guy. And like, are you kidding me? This guy's surreal. And uh, just being a real heckler. And uh, there was a little 10-minute break, and they were going to have another message. So they went out and, uh, into, like, the street area, and there were some benches. And, he's, and uh, the agnostic had brought a lunch, and he had two oranges. And uh, he had them, like, in his bag that he brought, and he was going to just take a little snack. And he noticed the lady on a bench, and the lady was just knocked out. I mean, totally. You ever see someone like that? They're just their mouth open, their, their hands are open. And she, she's gone, and she kind of just had her hands just open just like this and was sleeping. And uh, he saw her. He thought it would be kind of funny. He actually wanted to be nice to her, but thought it would be funny to get the oranges and stick it in her lap. So he sticks it in her lap, just kind of walks away and sees if she wakes up. And finally she wakes up, and she, she looks, and... She looks and she sees these two oranges, and she just starts getting happy. She's like, oh, my goodness, I got two oranges. This is awesome. Like, that. all oh, praise the Lord. She starts thanking the Lord, and he's looking at her like, okay. So he walks over kind of figuring out what's going on. He's like, um, hey there, ma'am. And she's like, oh, hi, sir, how are you doing? He's like, yeah. He's like, what you got there? He's like, oh, oh, you don't know what just happened to me. He's like, I was just sitting here praying. I must have prayed so much uh, that I fell asleep. But I was praying that God would send me some kind of fruit. Uh, you know, that God would just send me some kind of, actually, I even specifically asked him for an orange. And he not only gave me one orange, but he gave me two oranges. Isn't this great? And the guy just looked and just dropped his jaw and just looked and just realized that, man, you know, she's like, I was sitting there all day and I was tired and I've been praying all day for an orange. But, man, God's timing's perfect, right? I am so glad that I got these at that time. And isn't it so great that God, even though on our clock, God, you're late, <laughs> Uh, God, remember the woman that said, Jesus, why didn't you come and heal Lazarus? Now he's dead. And God, God was on time. God's never late. God is always on time and always will be and always has been. Uh, but God is always on time. God's timing is perfect. But look at these next two words I want to show you. I, when I write reports, and I haven't wrote one in a while, 
I always use a lot of, um, I, you know, the, the teacher always says, you know, I want 10,000 words or 2,000 words. I, praise the Lord, never had 10,000 words. But as he said, 2,000 words, and I just need that. And uh, I was the kind of guy to add a lot of adjectives and a lot of different things to describe one point just to fill those extra things. And, and the, the, I mean, I would, I never, the way I would write, I never talk. You know, I never talk like that in public. But uh, I, I remember, you know, just writing adjectives. But, you know, God doesn't do that in his word. Everything is in there for a specific point, specific purpose. So, Notice the great and mighty here. Uh, great and mighty are totally two different things. Uh, great, when God means great here in this passage, it's talking about innumerable, higher, abundant. Uh, when he's talking about mighty, he means inaccessible things. In other words, things that are so far and above and beyond our own thinking and understanding. God says to Jeremiah, you call unto me. He's like, I will answer you. That's a promise. But not only will I answer thee, but I will want to show you great and I'm going to show you mighty things which thou knowest not. You see, Jeremiah had been around so much people that, uh, I mean, they even said, one commentator said that uh, in Jeremiah that the people forgot God at one point so much that, he, that the priest that handled his word even at one point lost, would lose it, and they would forget about God, and they would forget it. And Jeremiah has been around these people so much, and sitting in a prison cell, writing this out, you know what? He's telling Jeremiah things that thou knowest not. The things that you forgot, the things that you thought that you know, my promises and my word that I would do, the things you forgot, guess what? I'm going to remind you of those things. And now I'm going to remind you of this, but I'm going to show you great things and things that are great and mighty that thou knowest not. I remember my grandma telling me a story one time. Um, my grandmother always, uh, she always would, uh, she, she was very compassionate. She was the kind of person that watched those TV uh, programs and those, uh, those commercials, kind of like ASPCA, and they're singing, you know, in the arms of the angels, you know, those uh, pets and dogs, and they're kind of, everybody's crying, like, would you donate, please, this, all this money to this? And my grandma ball like, I mean, she would ball and cry, and my grandma would give $20, she had no money, and she would, she would pay those things. Uh, she would, those missionary ones, and uh, to different countries, and they'd say, would you donate this and feed one child, and we'll send you, and my grandma, we found, when she passed away, I remember we found just so much stuff. So much uh, stuff on people. And uh, I remember she was uh, donating to one place, and they sent her a, I believe they sent her a book. And it was on the, a missionary. I don't know if you ever heard of her, but her name is Darlene Rose. And Darlene Rose, uh, I have the story right here. I just want to share it with you. Um, Darlene Rose was a missionary to Japan. And uh, Darlene, uh, she, it was during the World War II era. So as she was, she was already over there, already established, already had camps. She had converts and had services and different things. And she was uh, doing the will of God and just a very, very uh, godly uh, young lady. And, uh, but when World War II broke out, uh, some officers, especially Japanese officers, found her, took her, and she became a POW and for years became a POW. And uh, they did some horrible things to her, beaten her and and the one thing she was known for was her trust in God. She just never wavered, never cursed God, never did anything. And the reason why she became a POW is because they falsely accused her of being a spy. And they accused any American, because she was American, that they accused her of being a spy. You're here to, you know, and, and she became a prisoner of war. Uh, but there's some things from her story. Uh, she's weak at this point. Uh, she can see her rib cages. She's so uh, exhausted and tired. Uh, she's sitting there, and, and uh, she's just really just hungry, they would feed her uh, one cup of rice a day, and in that rice would be worms, and the rice wasn't even fully cooked. It was just kind of, they treated her like a dog. They treated her like an animal. Uh, and this is some things that she wrote. She said, I dropped to the floor of my cell, exhausted from my efforts, 
I shook all over. Worse still, I began to crave bananas. Now, before this point, the reason why she was craving bananas is because she looked out, and there was a courtyard in a prison. She was in her cell, but she looked in the courtyard. And in the courtyard, there were some guards, and there were some people, some, uh, some ladies. There were some other POWs that were kind of sitting and talking. There was guards kind of watching them and walking around. One lady went over to the side, and there was a gate. And it wasn't like a chain-link fence gate, but it was a gate where you could stick your hand through. And she noticed that she was being sneaky, and she snuck her way all the way to the, to the, to the edge without the guard looking. All of a sudden, she sees a hand pop out, and a, I mean, a stack of bananas came out. And nobody saw it but her, and she looked. And for a woman who's eating rice worm every day, you can imagine that banana looked like a filet mignon. I mean, that thing must have been looking really, really good. And she, at this point, says, I just craved bananas. Everything in me wanted one. I could see them. I could smell them. I could taste them. I got down on my knees and said, Lord, I'm not asking you for a whole bunch like that woman has. I just want one banana. I looked up and I pleaded, Lord, I just want one banana. So one thing that happened is the days kind of went by. It was probably the early next morning. Uh, It shows right here. It says uh, the next morning that... Um, when Japanese guards came in, one thing that she had to do, otherwise she would have gotten beaten, is she had to bow. In Japanese culture and in most Korean cultures, you had to bow a certain way. It was out of respect and out of honor. But she was so weak and frail that she could never bow right, and they would beat her for it. They would say, you have to bow. I guess any, any time that guard, it doesn't matter that guard came in, one time you bowed, he left, and three seconds later, you, you bow to him. You respect, you know, and they, and they would treat her like that. And uh, one morning... Uh, she, uh, she came in, and uh, she noticed that uh, some people were coming, and uh, she looked outside, and she saw um, just coming out in the blue was an old friend. It was a person that she led to Christ, and his name was, uh, uh, it says it right here, Mr. Yamaji. And Mr. Yamaji was uh, a convert of hers, and she uh, says right here, she says, I clapped my hands and exclaimed, Mr. Yamaji, it's just like seeing an old friend. She got excited. You know, she thought, maybe I'm going to get out of here. Maybe, you know, it's going to help. And he saw her, and he started crying, and he just kind of told her to be quiet. He's like, I'm going to go over and talk to these guards. So he, he talked to those guards for forever and forever and forever, and uh, just different things. And uh, prior to this, the whole night, prior to this morning, uh, she literally began to rationalize in her mind. She's like, you know what, that banana I want, she's like, I don't think God's going to give it to me. She says this, she says, there is more chance of the moon falling out of the sky than one of them bringing me a banana. I bowed my head and prayed again, Lord, there's no one here uh, who I could get, uh, that you could get to get a banana to me. There's no way for you to do it. Please don't think that I'm not thankful for the rice, Lord. It's just that, well, those bananas look so delicious, but I just don't see how it's going to happen. And this is the next morning when she sees her friend. She gets excited, and she's trying to keep her excitement in. And Mr. Yamaji comes, and he comes over, and he talks to her, and he asks her, how are you doing? He's like, how are you doing, darling? Are you doing okay? And, and she's like, I'm doing... And really, she's trying to not say, I'm not doing good. I'm, I feel like I'm going to die in here. But she just, just kept her composure. She said the Lord gave her confidence. The Lord gave her strength. And uh, she just told her, uh, told him, she said that, uh, uh, that the Lord gave me confidence to do this answer. Yes, sir. When you go back, please tell them for me that I am all right. I'm still trusting in the Lord. They'll understand what I mean, and I believe you do too. And she just had to muster that up, just that last bit of hope and faith, just trying to uh, be someone that, to trust in the Lord. And, and after he says that, he, he said goodbye to her, he turned around, and he walked away. Uh, but then uh, when he walked away, when the guards brought him to her, and then when they walked away, something clicked in her mind. She didn't bow. And so she started to just get scared. 
She says, oh, no, oh, no, I did not bow. What in the world? And she started getting mad at God. God, why didn't you remind me? Like, I, I can't go back to that room. They're going to beat me. She's like, I can barely stand up. They're going to beat me. I totally forgot to bow. They know that. And they're going to come back. And all of a sudden, sure enough, she saw a guard turn around and come over to the cell. And she is just, she starts to cry and just saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lord. I, I can't. Why didn't I do it? Why didn't I stand? And why didn't I do that? And then... She says this, I heard the guard coming back and knew he was coming for me. Struggling to my feet, I stood ready to go. He opened the door, walked in, and with a sweeping gesture laid at my feet, bananas. They're yours, he said, and they all came from Mr. Yamaji. I sat down and stood in silence and counted them. There were 92 bananas, 92 of them. She says later, how, if, I mean, if you want to talk about someone who's feeling ashamed right now, that God couldn't even give her one banana, she starts saying to God and pushed away the banana. She says, God, I'm so sorry. If there's any shame that I could feel right now, I am overwhelmed by that. God, that I didn't even trust that you would give me one banana, yet I have almost 100 in my lap right now. She eventually made it and lives to tell the story and has a whole biography. But, man, isn't some of that us sometimes? God says, I want to do great and mighty things. What does great mean again? It means innumerable. It means, and mighty means far beyond our comprehension. She had a number, and she had what she understood was possible. God says, I'm going to give you greater than that number, and it's going to be far beyond your comprehension, what you think is possible. And she thought what was impossible, God brought to her. I don't know where you stand this morning. I don't know, or tonight, rather, whatever time of the day you like it to be, uh, but I don't know if you think, man, you know, I'm in a time in my life where maybe I'm like Jeremiah, and I'm sitting there in that cell, and I love, my, I love my family, I love my friends, but I'm in a situation right now, and I don't see any light at the end of my dark tunnel. But God says, listen, I am the creator God. I form thee, I ordain thee, and everything that I form, I establish it, and I will finish it. And not only that, but listen, he gives a call. He says, call unto me. I challenge you. Don't go trust in yourself, your will. Don't trust in self-help books or Dr. Phil or anything else. He says, listen, you trust in me. Call unto me. And then he gives us this promise, this covenant. He says, I will answer thee. And now I'm not going to answer thee. I'm going to show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I think if Miss Darlene Rose remembered that verse, she was like, you know how so true that is. God really showed me. And really did far abundant and above beyond that I could ever ask or think. If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.